We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or a grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. This is the Talking Yang Monday edition with Chris Liss. Usually I'm joined by Jeff Erickson, but today we have a huge upgrade from Jeff to Jim Coventry, one of Rotowire's regular columnists, IDP guy. Does a lot of other stuff for us, including the blog. What's going on, Jim? How you doing? Things are very well. Super excited about the preseason and getting going with this talk with you right now. Yeah, so I'm going to be selfish, talk a lot about my upcoming Beat Chris Liss draft tonight for the NFBC, but first... I want to uh, introduce you to one of our sponsors. Happy to have many sponsors for this podcast. The first one is Yahoo Sports. It's officially July, which means fantasy football season is around the corner. And Yahoo Fantasy has introduced a new fantasy football game called Best Ball that lets you get in the action now. With Best Ball, you draft your fantasy football team, and that's it. You don't need to do a thing once you've drafted your team. Each week, the top scoring players at each position on your roster will automatically count toward your weekly score. Forget about the time commitment, no waiver wire, no trades, no adding or dropping players. 
No having to make those tough start or sit decisions. Focus on the best part of fantasy football, the draft. Tired of doing mock drafts for your fantasy team, having other players drop out early and not finish the draft? Free best ball leagues give you the most accurate ADP or average draft position of players before the season starts. Can't get enough fantasy football, but don't want to manage those teams all season? You can draft up to 50 best ball teams. Play for free or play for cash, but most importantly, get to drafting with Yahoo Fantasy Best Ball. Join a league today at yahoo.com slash best ball. Okay, uh, let's talk uh, about this draft. I actually drew the first pick, which I was happy about. It was my first choice of where to draft, and I'm going to not do anything. Uh, I'm not going to shock the world, Jim. I could shock the world, but I'm just going <laughs> to do the uh, boring thing and take Saquon Barkley. So that's where you're going. You're going with Saquon, the hometown New York boy, huh? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, the I, I don't really see McCaffrey or Kamara there because they just – you know, I'd project them for about 200 carries each, whereas you know Saquon, I'd project for about 260, 270. The only other guy I think has a strong argument is Zeke Elliott, um, who caught 77 passes in 15 games. But um, he, you know, there's a little bit of contract noise with him, and I think there's just uh, I know the Giants are projected to be bad, but their offense will probably be about league average. So um, I'm taking uh, Saquon Barkley. Yeah, I, I would totally respect the pick. I'd go with Zeke. I think the lineman coming back, Travis Frederick, is huge. And when you mentioned the receiving by Elliott last year, I think on their bye week, they got somebody in an analytics department who came in because all of a sudden they started throwing to him on early downs, which is the code to getting your offense in beneficial situations. So they completely unlocked him. And so his numbers from the second half were at least equivalent. I think he was 24 fantasy points a game in the second half. But um, you can't go wrong with Barkley. I mean, He's your guy. You go with them. Elliot equal. You can't go wrong. Yeah, those are definitely my top two. And, and McCaffrey, Kamara, monsters in PPR. But I just think there's a ceiling, a tar, you know, just a, a carry ceiling. And you know, Kamara could score like 15 touchdowns or more with the Saints. But again, I, I just give me the volume. Give me the guaranteed volume. For sure. All right. So round two is what we were talking about a lot in the XM show. And I'm looking at the ADPs, and I would love to get any of these guys that have been falling on occasion to 24, because I don't pick till 24. Um, Antonio Brown's been 24 at the lowest this weekend. Dalvin Cook was 25 once. Nick Chubb was 25 once. Mike Evans has been as low as 24. Damian Williams has gone all the way down to 28 this weekend in the NFC. So I would love to get one of those guys, but I just don't think I'm going to get them. I could see Melvin Gordon even slipping now with his contract stuff too, and I would probably just do it at a principle. Um, or Gurley, neither of whom I really want, but I would take them. But if none of those guys slip, which the ADP has none of them slipping, then Pat Mahomes has to slip because there's there's no one else there. And I was talking about no. it on the radio today, and I was, I've almost talked myself into, if none of those guys are there, taking Pat Mahomes. That's a real interesting take. Um, you're going to be a couple of rounds without, I mean, 40, is it 24 picks? 24 picks, so you get another player after that double pick at the second and third. And I tell you what, although it seems like a sharp pick, you're going to miss out on a lot of position players based on your draft position. Well, what no, do you think it, about it that? It seems like a square pick. I mean, nobody takes QBs early. I mean, only the no, no. only the novices in your league take QBs early. But, I, you know, everyone's regressing this guy from 50 down to 36 or 35 TDs. I'm at 41 as the over-under. And, you know, you don't draft guys to hit their – you know, to hit their average pick, you draft guys to hopefully exceed it. And if, if he, you know, I think there's like a 30% chance he exceeds 45 again. I mean, everything's there. 
Andy Reid, the receivers. You got an all-time talent, and you know once you know once he you know if he does that again, if he has forty-seven touchdowns and forty-nine hundred yards and you know two hundred thirty rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns, I'm not going to regret taking him over T.Y. Hilton. I don't think I would, because there will be other good quarterbacks very late in rounds twelve or thirteen, but you don't really know which ones they are. You know, they all could be good. Jameis Winston could have 33 touchdowns. I could easily see it. I like him there. I could see Jared Goff having 30 touchdowns. I could see Phillip Rivers. But, you know, if you get one of those guys and they sort of underperform a few games, then you mix and match and you're sort of getting whipsawed. I don't know. It's, it's, on paper, it looks better to wait on the QB. But in reality, when, you know, you're at the six-point passing TDs in the NFFC, it might – I think it might be – you know, better to take the elite every week consistent performer and then work out the the other positions as you go. I mean, especially if you're confident that you can load up on high quality receivers and running backs that other people are not, they're kind of overlooking. If you feel you can make the steals on those, then that pick makes some sense. But um, but if the pick, if the chart's gonna say to ADP for a lot. And your picks, I'm going to say, if your um, high-rated receivers and running backs are kind of along that line, you might have a difficult time piling up receivers and running backs to keep yourself competitive there. What well, do you I think? Don't, I don't have any special powers to find the hidden gems that nobody else can. I think we're all, at this stage, you know, equally able to, you know, figure out sleepers and all that. You know, it's not like, oh, I can just skip on receivers because I'll find great receivers in round seven. No, I don't have any secret power for that. Um, so, you know, I, I think it is a risk. I mean, you're, you're going to have to deal with the receivers and stuff. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, you just, you just got to figure it out as you go. But, um, the question is, you know, how much are you giving up? You know, you, you, you get the, let's say I have Mahomes for 41 TDs and the QB I would get in the 12th round or whenever I would take a QB if I, if I didn't take Mahomes here. Um, gets 30 TDs, or my combination of you know mixing and matching gets 31 TDs. It's 10, 10 six-point TDs difference, right? And then so let's say the you know you sub in the receiver. I don't even think Keenan Allen or T.Y. Hilton get 10 TDs on the whole year. Now of course they're going to get more receptions and yards and other things, and Mahomes will get more yards than the other QBs too. But what I'm saying is that on a pure sort of value over replacement, I think it'll be it could be very close between the, the discrepancy in Mahomes if he has another ridiculous year and, and the late-round QB versus the second-round receiver and mixing and matching receivers all year. But the difference, I think, is the consistency of the QB scoring versus the receiver scoring. So in a way, you're, getting, you're probably getting a slight deficit on the net points by doing this, but you might get a more consistent score, which has value. Absolutely. Um, now, I know you're going with Barkley first. So, yeah, right, I'll put your quarterback running back. Then you had one other player and you mentioned a few players that you'd hope would drop. Are you going to go receiver with that second pick? So if if I take Mahomes, now, again, if any of these guys are here uh, and I mean, you know, Gurley, Gordon, which I'll say could drop through injury or, or contract concerns, Tyreek Hill, Antonio Brown, Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubb, Mike Evans, Damian Williams. Those are all the guys leading up to those are the first 23 I will take them over Mahomes but if my choice is Keenan Allen or T.Y. Hilton who are the next two 25 and 26 Mahomes is 24 I may take Mahomes now if it goes exactly to ADP and I end up with Mahomes round three 
will be interesting. I could see myself taking Kittle if he drops. I could see myself taking Stephon Diggs as sort of a boring PPR guy. I could see Devonta Freeman, Josh Jacobs. I could see A.J. Green, although I'm a little nervous about his injuries. So those are some of the guys I'd be considering. With A.J. Green, what specifically are you worried about with him? Because I, I've kind of – he has, he has – I guess he's missed 13 games over three seasons. So it is it's a pretty substantial number. But it hasn't been the same injury over and over. So um, what, what are you specifically worried about with injury-wise with him? Well, the toe has been a couple of times. He's had the same toe injury that he had last eh. year. So that's he kind of – He it twice. Yeah, you're right. He had it twice. And that kind of thing is just, you know, Antonio Gates dealt with it for a while. Shaquille mm-hmm. O'Neal. Now, I think Shaquille was carrying a little more uh, <laughs> yes, a little more weight on his body than A.J. Green is. A little different build. But, uh, you know, it's just one of those things. And he's over 30. And he was pretty good when he's been healthy. I mean, he's been hurt a lot the last few years. But when healthy, he's produced. So I would consider him. You know, I think he's a, a second-round pick if he's healthy. But it's just he's been kind of falling apart the last couple of years. And it, it's, it usually doesn't get better as you get older. No, and you're, what you're saying is if you minimize risk in the early rounds, and that's really what you're doing with Mahomes. You're trying to minimize some of that. And, right, the more risk you minimize, it puts you in a good spot. Yeah. I mean, at some point you got to take a chance, right? And, I mean, that where I would take the chance, and I don't really want to do this, but I think I would, is if Melvin Gordon, because, you know, there's more and more rumbling about the contract problem, or Gurley, um, if they fall to 24, I might just take one of those two and just say, you know what? I'm just going to flat gamble and then hopefully get Daryl Henderson and or Eckler, you know, depending which one I get, just, just wait, you know, reach a little around for one of those guys just to back it up. Um, but if those guys are gone, which they probably will be, um, I may be looking at Mahomes. Okay, so, yeah, round three, I'm going to get two picks at the 3-4 turn, 36 and 37, because it's third round reversal. Oh, uh, okay, gotcha. So I, I would look at, like, Diggs. You know, now the other route I could go is I don't know why Thielen. Tell me what. Tell me this, Jim. Why is Thielen thirty-one, and Keenan Allen's twenty-five? Why is Thielen behind T.Y. Hilton and Keenan Allen? Well, the fall off in the second half last year is, I think, where some of the concern is coming. If we notice back to last year, he had that great run. It was a nine straight hundred-yard games, and then they fired their offensive coordinator. They brought Kevin Stefanski in. Well, the whole thing with Zimmer was he was upset that DeFilippo was throwing the football, which was really putting him in good spots. He wanted to go to a smash-mouth run game. So they started running the ball in the second half, which had a direct correlation. Kirk Cousins' numbers tanked. Thielen's dropped through the floor. So my thought is that he's dropping for that reason. Zimmer wants to run. All right. And so, that's not helping Thielen. That's a good explanation. So I wasn't really sure about it. I know that Thielen was going crazy early and, and slowed down, but it's been a few years that he's been very consistent and very good. And they don't really have a third option. I mean, Kyle Rudolph sometimes gets red zone looks, but he's not especially good. And there's no one else. I mean, it's really it's Thielen and Diggs. That's it. And Cousins was paid a lot of money and he's still a decent quarterback. I was thinking another way to go would be Thielen in two, Diggs in three if he's there, which is right on the cusp, and then get Cousins as my like 13th-round quarterback and stack the Vikings. Because this ha- you have to go a little DFS in this kind of contest. It's a big contest with a lot of teams and a couple thousand teams. So to win the whole thing, you, you really kind of want to stack, right? So let's say Cousins throws 38 touchdowns. Stuff like that happens. You know, like it's just his Matt Ryan year. He just goes crazy. And those two guys are the, really the only two passing game guys. I mean, Rudolph gets a little, Cook gets a little, but there's not really a lot else there. 
that's how you win one of these big leagues. You don't you don't necessarily think it's going to be the Vikings that go off, but in DFS sometimes you just stack something that could happen. You don't have to even believe it. It's just possible. And then if it does happen, the payoff is so immense that uh, that it's worth the gamble. 100% with you on the stacking and identifying the team. Just one last thing I'll throw at you. After they switched offensive coordinators, Cousins threw for 215 yards or fewer in four of the last five games, and he threw a single touchdown in each of those games. So, yeah. so he came, like I said, go ahead. Yeah, he fell off too. But I, I did the write-ups on Thielen and Diggs for the magazine. And one of the things that happened to hit those guys and Cousins was they were catching a lot of really short passes. They, their average depth of target shrunk. Their, their yards per target shrunk. And the Vikings had real problems on the offensive line last year. And so Cousins just didn't have a lot of time to throw. So you're, you're getting rid of the ball quicker. You're running shorter routes. You're not as effective. They improved the offensive line this offseason. Three of the, pickups. Yeah, and it was one yeah. of the worst in the league last year. So just through regression, it would get better. But they actually made a lot of active moves to get it better. I think you might see a different passing game. They didn't sign Kirk Cousins all that money to have him hand the ball off. Like, and they only no. have two targets, and every team's going to throw, besides the Seahawks, is going to throw 500 times. You know, maybe the Titans. You know, I mean, every regular team's going to throw 500 plus. He's probably going to throw 530 or whatever the average is. There's only really two guys getting those targets. I mean, it's, it's as locked in to, you know, target volume as you can get. And Cousins is actually pretty good, I think. Yeah, it's a good contrarian move. And like I, we, we said a couple moments ago, I think going contrarian with a stack, that would be a key to success in a huge tournament. You can't really go with the layups. It's not going to be beneficial to you. You might win your league, but you're not going to win the tournament. Yeah, no, I, um, so that's just an idea. I'm not necessarily wedded to it, but I just having different uh, ideas and, and possibilities as the draft goes on. One note from another sponsor, Super Draft. The future of daily fantasy sports has arrived. Experience Super Draft's exclusive game mode. Multiplier, say goodbye to salary restrictions and hello to lineup freedom. Use your fantasy sports knowledge to draft any player you want and build your very own dream team. Countless lineup possibilities let you experience daily fantasy sports the way you want. Super Draft offers contests for NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, and PGA, so you can enjoy the best of DFS all year round. Sign up for Super Draft today using promo code ROTOWIRE and claim your free $5 in Super Cash and a free $3 entry with your first deposit. Download in the App Store or play at superdraft.io. Super Draft, no limits, more winning. So, all right, so that, there's a couple you know, ideas for, for those picks. Zach Ertz is usually there uh, at pick 24. He's going 29 on average. Um, that's a possibility. Also, um, just sort of a safe, I think, you know, he broke the record for catches last year for a tight end. I think, you know, put him at 90, 95 this year. Um, what do you think of Ertz? Too safe in round two or you like it? You know, I'm, I've actually softened a bit on Ertz. I moved him below Kittle on my board. And the main reason is Godair is another year in. Deshaun Jackson's in town. It's They have a vast array of weapons and I don't know that they have to funnel him the ball anymore. I think that they can be multiple enough on offense where Wentz could legitimately throw the ball to who's open. And so I think that it might be more of a spread the wealth offense than we may have seen in the past. Yeah, I could see that. They definitely added a couple of guys, um, but they don't throw a lot to the backs. They, they don't really have no. a Sproles guy anymore um, to throw to. And they um, none of the receivers is the number one. So usually teams that you know, they have enough to go around. There's a dominant target, dominant 150 target, 140 target receiver. All Sean Jeffrey, maybe 110 if he even stays healthy. Deshaun Jackson's always heard he's a 100 target guy. 
Is Aguilar even a huge part? You know, 90 targets maybe for him. Um, there's just not a lot of star power in the offense. And I could see all those guys getting, you know, their share, but Ertz still getting his 140, 150 and catching, you know, 100 balls. I mean, he's certainly proven that he can be extremely productive. We know that from his past. So it's hard to bet against him at this point. But I definitely was throwing in my little contrarian view there of that. But um, hard to argue with the production. All right, two other guys that I, I'm not taking Fournette. I just, I, you know, normally I double down when a guy burns me the year before. Uh, I'm not a never again type. I'm like, no, nah, that guy's not helping somebody else's team. But I just, I can't pull the trigger. I just can't. I, you know, it's just that he, that hamstring injury, he just couldn't get over it. And then, then he got suspended after. It was just such a, so annoying. And he wasn't even good. He hasn't been good in the NFL yet. I have a hard time pulling the trigger on Fournette there. So I agree at the injuries. We have had too many of them. But when I looked at his production or lack thereof, what the Jaguars were basically doing is they were running him on early downs, predictable formations against teams base defense. And they knew he was coming. And so he was getting no yardage on early downs, puts them in second and long, huge problem for them. So now they bring in a new coaching staff. And apparently the whole point behind it is to get more analytics in, throw the ball on early downs, give Fournette a chance to run a more favorable down and distance. And they even were hinting the idea of maybe throwing him the ball. And he's not a terrible receiver. Again, if his foot stays on his leg, that's what we're going to look for. But, um, but I think that he was really a victim of a horrible offense where teams had no respect for Blake Bortles, and therefore he was doomed to fail with what they had going in Jacksonville. Yeah, you might be right. And I was just also thinking, you know, Vornette is – you're never going to get a high volume, high reception back at pick in the second round. Like, you you could get, you know, somebody who's – you know, Devonta Freeman could be that, but he's so, you know, beat up over his career at this point, so concussed. You could take a chance on a Josh Jacobs on the Raiders, but – Fournette could be that 270-carry, 60-catch guy available this late. I don't know. I, I, if I go back to the well, I'll be hating myself, but it might, it might actually be the right call um, in this, at this point. The other guy I would consider is Aaron Jones, um, mm-hmm. who is just really good and should be a much better situation, but there's just the unknown. He kind of reminds me of Kenyon Drake. Really good, but we don't really know what the new staff is going to do. And he got screwed over before, and just you know, you'd, you'd like to it to be this guy's definitely going to get 250 carries, and we just don't know that in either case. No, the Packers have not made any formal commitment to Jones, and like you're saying, that's why I'm worried about him as well. I don't know how they don't do that. Now I know the off the field stuff might play in; it might be concerned about reliability. But man, if he has that starting job, he's going to see light boxes all the time. He, um, based on his metrics, he had an 89th percentile agility score. I mean, what a great player to have in there. But like you said, what are the coaches going to do? Back to Fournette. Again, you're talking about taking down a big tournament. Fournette may be that kind of guy because you know he's going to be the primary workhorse, assuming his foot stays on. But, but that's the type of pick where people aren't valuing him, and he was a first-round pick recently, but you could get that return on him. I know. It is the right type of pick. Uh, you know, Scott Barrett of Pro Football Focus, guy I follow. I like a lot of stuff he does. I think he was saying he would take him over Cook. I don't know if that's still true. It's a few months ago because he just projected so much more volume for Fournette that it's just hard 
it's hard to it partly because like his backup is Alfred Blue. I mean, they don't have anybody there. It's not like there's some other rookie or somebody good, you know, pushing him. So it's you know they invested a third overall pick or whatever their fourth overall pick in him a couple of years ago. He'll probably get one more year to just go all out and see see what they have before they make a decision. And at least we haven't heard any negative buzz about injuries with him. So it seems like he has a healthy off season. So yeah, we have that chance maybe post hype sleeper, I guess. I guess no. yeah. <laughs> Those guys though, it's so rare, you know, that the running backs flop for a couple of years and they that they really do it you know trent richardson i was drafting that guy for years uh guilty guilty yeah i was like oh come on they couldn't draft me he couldn't be a third overall pick and be this bad it's just a situational thing and he just couldn't get out of it um all right let's move on um to round three uh as i said Diggs. i'm not a carry on johnson guy i just don't trust that he'll get enough work they get too many other options there josh jacobs i could take though i think josh jacobs might um I know Jalen Richard is going to play, but Josh Jacobs may get a pretty heavy workload in Gruden's offense, and they took him in the first round, and I don't, I don't see why he couldn't get 250 carries and 40 catches. You're right. He does project as a guy who can catch passes as well, and if you're going to have a better football player on the field – as opposed to Richard, then I think he's going to get quite a bit of the passing down work. And so that's a natural fit. And like you said, great use of their draft capital. They do want to show that they know what they're doing by their draft picks. So I agree with that. I think he's going to be very heavily used. And at least with Gruden, you know they're going to push the passing game. So defenses are rarely going to go in with their standard defense looking to stack the box. That's that's not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's kind of, you know, obviously it's an unknown. It's a rookie, and you're talking about a team that's being rebuilt. Um, all right, later in the draft, I always hate, you know, rounds four, five, and six. I, I think those are the, the worst picks because they're expensive. Like, it's a fourth, fifth, and sixth pick. You can't just swing for the fences entirely. You need somebody stable, but they also bust at such a high rate. So you're almost always a little shaky on this pick. You either caved in and played it a little too safe, or you... Uh, took too much of a chance on a guy that's you know not really proven yet. I always feel like these are the worst picks, the picks I dislike the most in my draft. Yeah, that is a tough area of the draft. You're right. There's just so much volatility there. Uh, you giving any thought to Kenyon Drake? His ADP is probably right in that neighborhood. Drake is 46, so unless I take him in four, he's probably gone, but you never know. Um, he's slipped down to 53, um, which would be still... I'm going to have the last pick in round five. So. Oh, yeah, you're a little later. My, yeah, right. my bad on that. Yeah, so I'm going to have the 60th pick. But uh, I like Drake. I took him in my first uh, in the FSGA draft. I, I think he's kind of like Aaron Jones. He's really good. He catches passes. He's explosive. Passes the eye test. He was in a situation where the prior coach, for God knows what reason, did not want to use him. And so now that coach is gone. And He's the best back there, and you presume that the new coaches will want to save their jobs and be successful and use their best player. But, you know, I mean, you just you just don't know. It's not set in stone. They haven't come out and said he's going to get X amount of carries. No, um, but I am with you. I, I like his agility. I like his speed, and I also agree with you at the coach coaching staff. I, I don't know what Gase's deal was, but it's like if you're not one of his guys, he has no use for you. And I mean, that down the road, that even leads me to wonder about what we said of Devontae Parker, because I just think that he was in the doghouse and no chance of getting out of that one. Yeah, I think Parker's an interesting guy later in, in the draft also. Um, 
A couple other picks probably going to be available around five and six. O.J. Howard, I would take him at that point. Um, I, it looks like, just based on where I'm drafting, I mean, your, your strategy and your team is structured often just by where you're drafting. Like, if the receivers you like aren't where you're drafting, then you end up going with a, a, different, a different strategy than if I'm, if I'm picking at the end of the first round, I'm probably going with a receiver-heavy draft early on. You're right. It absolutely gets dictated to us, at least from that format. So uh, I'm looking at it. I, if, I get a, if I end up getting, you know, a couple of running backs, Mahomes, Barkley, Howard, you know, I got no receivers through six rounds and a three receiver and a flex PPR. So it's, it's a bit dangerous. You know, the, it used to be, especially like five years ago, before the, before the league started throwing so much to the backs and turning them back into like the PPR superstars, it used to be that you wanted to go zero running back, that you wanted to get the Andre and Calvin Johnsons, the Antonio Browns, the Beckhams when he was, you know, rookie in second year. That was what won you the league. Um, and that the running backs were kind of an afterthought. You'd get a couple pass catchers and, and not really worry about it. But now the running backs are catching 60, 70 balls, a lot of them, and scoring, you know, double-digit touchdowns again. And there's, some bell, there's more bell cow running backs than there were five years ago. And it's turned back around. Can you fudge a receiver these days? Can you end up drafting the Sterling Shepherds and Devontae Parkers and guys like that and actually have a credible team? It's it, The difficulty is, is you've got to have a really, really high hit rate on those. And the type of players that we're talking about here are players that are so slanted toward having volatility. It's going to be really hard to catch lightning in a bottle with a group of players like that. At the pick you're talking about right now, I'd almost like to look at DJ Moore. I, he won't be there. He's. He, I'm looking at the ADP the last over the last yeah. couple of days. He is going 47. I see. Okay. I just you see. I'm using a different site for my ADP, so mine's a little bit lower. Okay, but you're in. The, at least you're in the proper league. So yeah, he'll be gone. And Mike ADP. Williams is 50. I love Mike Williams too, but he's going at 50. So in this format, likely, I'll have the 36, 37, and then I don't pick again till. Um, What's that? That's the three four. So I'll pick in the fifth in the fifth round, last pick. So that's sixty, right? Yeah, it sounds right. That does sound correct. So that's I'm probably. You never know. I mean, you never want to get too uh, attached to the ADPs. There, there are random things that happen all the time. But DJ Moore's gone as low as uh, fifty four. Mike Williams fifty eight. Still, those guys aren't there. Philip Lindsay sixty one. I like him. Uh, at that point, but again, it's another running back. I need some receivers. Calvin Ridley's lowest is 60 over the weekend. That's where I'd be picking. Other receivers, Cooper Cup, 65. Tyler Boyd, 69. Uh, Tyler Boyd is between, he's 58, so he's still projected to go before I pick. But that, to me, would be a nice, safe PPR guy if if I'm running back tight end QB heavy early. How about Christian Kirk? Is he anywhere in your ADP about that point? He's a little bit later. He's number 72. Okay. Um, I, I, man, I just love this idea because apparently Kingsbury's going to come in with the true air raid, which is mostly 10 personnel, four receivers on the field. And the thing that I'm seeing with that is defenses are not equipped for that. And the pace they're going to run, defenses are going to be tired by halftime. They're going to be worn out. Kirk, in the limited time he showed last year, after he started out a little slow, he was being the rookie, but he had like 75 yards and or a touchdown in five of his last 10 games for the broken foot, put him down for the season. But he was emerging. And if he's running in one of the two slots in this offense, he's going to have opportunity. Because they that, that air raid offense, it's predicated in starting out with vertical routes. 
and then receivers can break them off as they go. But Kirk has experience in that offense at Tech when he was at Texas Tech. Yeah. So I, I think you know he again he could be one of those guys who could just blow up for you. Let's uh, add one. I'm gonna I want to talk about Christian Kirk, but let's. Uh talk about one of our sponsors really quickly uh, fantasydraft.com would like to bring you an important message about rake are you tired of paying high fees to play daily fantasy do you know that over time these fees called rake can cost daily fantasy players more than 30 percent of their bankroll as daily fantasy sites continue to raise rake prize pools are being squeezed more and more making it harder and harder for players like you to win more rake just means more money lining the pockets of the big dfs sites and less money for players but change is coming Starting in July, Fantasy Draft is changing the game by bringing you rake-free daily fantasy. That's right. Soon you'll be able to play your favorite contest without paying any rake. On Fantasy Draft, 100% of entry fees will be paid out to contest winners 100% of the time. Playing your favorite favorite contest rake-free on Fantasy Draft will save you hundreds or even thousands of dollars in rake every month. Rake-free daily fantasy is truly a game changer. Just imagine what playing on Fantasy Draft is going to do for your bankroll. Register at FantasyDraft.com today and be the first to know when rake free when the rake-free revolution begins. Use promo code RN, sorry, use promo code RWNFL to receive a free seven-day trial. All right, uh, let's get back to Christian Kirk. I think probably where he's going is, is a good spot to take him. The downside for me and what worries me about David Johnson and even Kyler Murray to an extent who I drafted in that FSGA draft is that the upside you can easily see, right? I mean, it's high-paced offense. You have Murray attempting 600 passes, running for 700 yards, being a complete monster, top five QB. 600 attempts means a lot of, you know, targets for different receivers. You have Kirk going off. You have Fitzgerald being the tight end type of receiver he is, getting the short catches. You have, you know, uh, Andy Isabella or, or Hakeem Butler, whoever it is, getting heavily involved um, and being the opposite end of those targets. There's no real tight end to speak of, so... That's a lot to go around for receivers and David Johnson. But the flip side is the offensive line isn't good. You got a rookie quarterback, a rookie coach, new system for everybody, two rookie receivers. It could be like six games before this offense is coherent. Like the idea that this is just going to face NFL defenses and take off from the get-go, it might. But, you know, it looks it's one of those things that sounds great, but the reality may may be a little different. It's kind of like last year I just – couldn't see it was like David Johnson it was just a, a wrist injury he's going to be a monster he's rested and everyone took him second third overall and you're like wow this offense is terrible and it just did him in now obviously that this is a way better system or at least it has way more upside as a system than last year's but it might not be as easy as it sounds to get all these first year coach quarterback receivers on the same page it's difficult to argue that because again we have the unknown but when new systems have come into the NFL and they're ones that, are, that have not much precedent, they're successful. The Wildcat came in super successful until it got figured out. Um, Chip Kelly came in and did his thing and they were moving the ball. Um, 10 personnel is something that is just not seen in the NFL. And, and actually when it is used, the quarterback run rate is crazy high. So Murray is not only going to have opportunities to throw the ball. We're talking about Christian Kirk here, I understand. But the fact that he could run and defenses have to account for that and also a spread with receivers, and they won't even have a tight end on the field in their base formation if they're going to go true air raid. And so with Murray having run this offense type, I know he has done in the NFL, but he knows this. They do have a couple of receivers that they've drafted that have familiarity with it so i just think defenses they're not going to be able to prepare 
for this specific offense. They won't have tape on it. And the league is horrible about defending something new. That's just my take. Are you going to own a lot of Arizona parts then? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Them in Tampa Bay, when we go contrarian and we're talking about in bigger tournaments and wanting to stack teams, I want to stack Arizona some and I want to stack Tampa Bay some. Interesting. Yeah. I, you know, the, the negative I've heard is that Kyler Murray just gets killed, like that he is going to be running around there and the defenses with very fast linebackers and safeties and corners are going to just knock him around because, you know, the, the offensive line isn't good. It's going to be the offense is going to be designed for him to improvise and do stuff. And they are just going to go after him. And it's very possible. You, you absolutely are correct. Can't argue with that as well. Uh, my hope is that Murray is a pretty elusive runner. And in a, such a spread out offense, defenses aren't going to be able to play it traditional in terms of their pass rush. There's too much to worry about. And if Murray slips a tackler, makes big runs, defenses I think are going to be on their heels more than they're going to be aggressive. And, and you're right, all it takes is one hit. Um, but I, I still think that there's going to be enough of a stress put on the defenses that they're going to be at the advantage until the defense figures them out. Where do you um, have, and it might not be this year. Oh, I'm sorry, you, go ahead. Where do you have Murray ranked among QBs? So let me just pull my list and see. I think I have him 10th. Um, I have him exactly 10th. And it's just to kind of cook in the safety factor. So if we're talking about tournaments, I'm going to draft him higher because of what we talked about earlier, going with the higher upside guy. Right. You, I, I, yeah. you have him 10th because he could totally fail. But if you if you just assume that he's not going to have the worst case scenario, which you know Philip Rivers won't have, um, then you probably have him, what, 7th or something, right? Assuming like it's not a total disaster. Yes, exactly. Um, and I've heard people have him as high as five, which would totally account for just the upside alone. That would be it's a bit irresponsible. But but exactly. I'd have him somewhere around seven if we take those factors and we look at them the way you proposed. What's your take on Daryl Henderson? I drafted him in the other league. I don't trust Gurley. How, I mean, how can you not take Henderson in the fifth or beyond knowing that that's the that's the play that could easily win you the league. There are two things I'm worried about, and I'm completely aware of Henderson's metrics that the dude's like a marvel. And so I get that in that 8.9 yards per carry two years in a row. But my concern is that they manage Gurley well. They manage him so well that he instead of having the 25 touches, he has 15 touches. Um, you know, and it's just enough to keep Henderson from having enough of an impact for a fifth round pick. And that's my big concern. But the other one is this, I really believe that we talked earlier about how when once offenses get figured out in the NFL, it's downhill from there. So here's my thought. I thought Vic Fangio totally flushed out that defense. I mean, I'm sorry, that offense last year figured it out. The Rams couldn't move the ball in the bears. I knew in the super bowl that Belichick would use elements of that. And he did. I don't know, but I personally believe the book is out on stopping the tight formations with the three wides. And I think they can contain that zone running game if defenses follow that blueprint. I think it's out there. And so I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen, but I'm saying there is a very solid chance that this becomes the Rams getting figured out. And all of a sudden now, those outside zone run plays that were there with huge holes because of the respect for the three receivers, I don't know if that's going to be there. Uh, if you set the edge against that, it really made it problematic when you did that, and you also jammed the receivers. That seemed to be the blueprint. But it's interesting because I think by drafting Henderson, even if 
Gurley isn't, you know, actually out and they do manage his workload, we may get sort of a Camara Ingram type split where you have sort of the veteran starter with mileage on him and then the explosive third down pass catching high, you know, more upside specialist that comes in and there's room for both. And then they're also running a slightly different offense, right? Because they never really had two backs. You know, it was always Gurley. I mean, the backups came in rarely, if ever, until Gurley was hurt and they had to, you know, bring in C.J. Anderson regularly. And what I like about your point here that you're bringing up is now into that scenario, we're plugging in an athlete that is so super high off the charts in his metrics that he could go in there and on limited touches give you that upside that you're talking about. So I think that's definitely the pro case for Daryl Henderson at that point in your draft. Yeah, I just think once you get to that 5-6 turn, I guess for me it'll be the 4, no, it'll be the 5-6. Um, if he's there, i got to take him because it's just, if Gurley's out, he may be, you know, a 70-catch, 150-carry guy. And if Gurley plays, he may still be a 55-catch, 130-carry guy. You know, it's not like... Gurley's status may not even affect him that much, actually, because I just don't think Gurley's ever going to get 270 carries again. No, those I, days are done. And, and I just don't think that they're going to use him anywhere they need to. And so Henderson is going to have worst-case scenario he has a role. They took him in the third round. This is a team that lost in the Super Bowl. They're not drafting for the future. They're drafting for now. So if you're going to take a running back in the third round, uh, I think they're going to want to use him right away. And then the fact that Gurley's dealing with a chronic problem – and they sign Gurley to a contract, so they, they have to pretend that everything's fine with Gurley, right? They're not going to say, oh, he's, you know, he's in big trouble. You know, we, we need to draft this guy. They're going to act like everything's fine, but we'll only find out. We won't even find out in the preseason because they're never going to use Gurley in the preseason. We're only going to no. find out when the season starts. You're right. And, you know, one of the side note on that, they paid Gurley monster money. And then the third round pick in Henderson, and they also matched the contract that Detroit, the offer sheet that they signed Malcolm Brown to. So they have an incredible amount of money tied up in the running back position, which we know is foolish, but neither here nor there. But but you're right. For them to make that investment, we know there's something up with Gurley. We absolutely know there is. Yeah. All right. Uh, one more uh, note from the sponsor. I think I was actually supposed to just uh, talk about Yahoo and then read the whole thing now, but I'll just do it again. Uh, it's officially July, which means football season is around the corner and Yahoo Fantasy has introduced a new fantasy football game called Best Ball that lets you get into the action now. With Best Ball, draft your fantasy football team, and that's it. You don't need to do a thing. Once you've drafted it, each week, the top-scoring players at each position on your roster will automatically count toward your weekly score. Forget about time commitment, no waiver wire, no trades, no adding or dropping players, no having to make those tough start-or-sit decisions. Focus on the best part of fantasy football, the draft. Tired of doing mock drafts for your fantasy team, having other players drop out early and not finish the draft? Free best ball leagues give you the most accurate ADP or average draft position of players before the season starts. Can't get enough fantasy football but don't want to manage those teams all season? You can draft up to 50 best ball teams. Play for free or for cash. But most importantly, get to drafting with Yahoo Fantasy Best Ball. Join the league today at yahoo.com slash best ball. All right, a couple uh, final thoughts, Jim. Um, I feel like... Due to my draft position, I'm going to be light on receiver early. That may change. Things may surprise me of how things fall. But if it falls according to ADP, I think I'm going to be light. I think I'm going to have to figure it out later. Give me some receivers you like. D.D. Westbrook. Yes, um, definitely. Curtis Samuel. I'm looking at some guys that I like. Marcus Valdez, Scantling. Guys like that that I could fill my roster with. Nikhil Harry. 
I'm looking at a few like that that I actually would be interested in. Devin Funches in rounds, say, you know, 7 through 10, 6 through 10, that I'm going to need to draft to uh, balance out my team. Yeah, two players I had that you mentioned as well. Valda Scandling, absolutely. Um, he'll be on the outside where he's extremely fast. And even though Aaron Rodgers lost a little confidence in him, Rodgers seemed to be much more pleased with him in OTAs. So, yeah, that's that's a blow-up waiting to happen. So that's a great choice. Um, I'm recommending to people who, are thinking, who think I'm nuts for this is pushing Corey Davis again. He had this crazy 26% target share last year, and that's not going to happen. But he had a quarterback who couldn't feel his fingers. And so they never were going to have a passing offense. But I think Corey Davis, when he's gotten the ball, he's shown the ability to be a dominant receiver, both physically. Um, he's not the fastest guy in the world. We know that. But no, he does have very, very good speed. But he's, he's so strong, and they can use him sometimes in the slot. When Humphrey's not there, use him on the outside. But I definitely think Davis could have a big rebound season. Um, another – Dante Moncrief. Don't know how far he's falling. But James Washington didn't show a lot of the – He was terrible last year. Yeah, he, he was, was terrible. And Moncrief, they brought him in, and it, and I think they have a purpose for him. I think they realize he's a really good match for Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, at his heart, Roethlisberger's a gunslinger. And to get Moncrief on the outside, he's not going to see double coverage with Juju. So he has a great opportunity. I also think a guy who's underrated, and I know guys switching teams like we just talked about with Moncrief, isn't always the best. I think Tyrell Williams is in a good spot. People just see him as like a deep threat. He has, and I don't remember the percentage on this, he has an upper percentile agility rate. And he's a guy that if they throw him the ball short while Antonio Brown's seeing the attention, Tyrell Williams could be in for an amazing season. Now, I'll throw you one more. Sure. Uh, Rob, Robert Foster. I think that he really blended well with Josh Allen. In the middle of the season, what I saw the Bills did, first the Bills wanted to get him targets short to the line of scrimmage, um, get him easy throws. They realized he can't make those throws. And so then they kind of revamped after the bye, and they started going to a deep strike offense, and they noticed that these guys were getting separation, and Allen has a little more margin for error, and he has a huge arm. And that's why I think Foster blew up down the stretch. So I think Foster's a guy to look at as well. Yeah, the thing that worries me about him, and obviously there's nothing to be worried about because he's going to be super cheap. It's not like, oh, well, it might not pan out. Yeah, no shit, it might not pan out. I mean, it's like he's gonna, you're going to get him in the 20, you know, 15th round. I mean, it's not like – but the thing that makes me wonder is they just they, – they signed jo, uh, John Brown, who runs the same routes. So now they've got two deep threats, and does any team have two real deep threats? I mean, usually there's one guy. There's the Ted Ginn, the Deshaun Jackson, the one deep threat guy that keeps the safeties back. No one has two of them. No, and I think that's a that's a philosophy thing on their part. I think they want both of those guys on the outside because Allen's like 235 pounds. He's mobile. And so I think they, they are, they're happy with the idea. If he gets moving in the pocket, he can run. But he also has two guys that can break downfield and use his huge arm. I think it's a purpose shot. I don't, I don't, I don't think they're going to have one on the field and one off. I think they're both full-time players, and it's just what they think they could do with Allen because, seriously, that dude cannot throw in the intermediate and short area of the field. So they got to take what they're giving them. Yeah, it's crazy. All he does is either run or throw a deep ball. That's his only skill set. It's like the NBA. You know, you either dunk or shoot a three. You know, there's nothing in between. The mid-range game is gone. Nope. Done. That'll be interesting. All right, Jim. Well, it's fun talking to you. Good stuff. And uh, we'll see. You know, next week I'll probably be talking about this, the results of this thing. But I appreciate the uh, consultation. Big help. 
Yep. And I'm at Jim Coventry NFL on Twitter. Feel free to follow me. Um, Chris, thank you for having me on. Much appreciated. Good luck in your draft tonight. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Anytime. And one more mention of our sponsor, Yahoo Sports. They are um, they are doing a best ball their product that they're offering. You can just draft once and it will set the lineup for you all year. You can check out that best ball product at yahoo.com slash best ball. All right, man. Take it easy, Jim. Good talking to you. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.